Hello and welcome to Mr. Suitcase number 21. Uh, we're still at the Star City Games open, uh, .com Open Series and today is uh, Legacy. But before I get into any, uh, any good Legacy stuff, I have one of the uh, co-hosts of JudgeCast, uh, Ricky Hashi. So, um, so Ricky, I, I caught up with you last time uh, when when you were going to be stationed down in California, and you were starting to uh, write with some of your friends, and you know, just kind of had other things going on. And, and now I understand that you have definitely you've you've t- changed venues, so to speak, what? or about to. You're talking about the new job. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to be an event specialist for Star City Games, which means I'll be running these things. Uh, I mean, I got some good training yesterday on a lot of their procedures. And uh, in just about two weeks, I move out to Roanoke from sunny California. I'll be starting up. So, uh, are you packed yet? No, I'm not really bringing anything. Mostly I'll be buying new furniture. Taking most of my magic collection, but... And my cat. That's about it. And some clothes. Awesome. Okay, so, I mean, obviously, now you have, uh, I think what a lot of people would look at as a dream job. You're working uh, magic. I mean, magic's pretty much your full-time job now, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, in my article for my last article for Channel Fireball, I, I think I did call it my dream job. There's only you know, two or three higher. One of them is probably astronaut, and that's not really attainable <laughs> with my training these days. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't love just kind of living and breathing magic for a living? Uh, you know, amongst people who would listen to your podcast or just people attending this event today. So, um, well, I guess one of the things that comes into that is uh, StarCityGames.com. That's uh, the place where I started following your writing. Are you going to be doing any more writing for them? It's something we'll talk about. Um, I've mentioned that I'm pretty much done writing the Ricky Rules column. Because it's hard for me to write about judging as much because my emphasis in judging is different. Now that I've been in L3 for a while, I do a lot more of training other judges than interacting with players these days. So I kind of want to write more articles that focus on the aspect of training judges instead of the issues that might be more pertinent to players. Okay, so if if someone out there is looking to learn more about uh, training judges and, and things of that, what what are the resources that are available to them? Obviously, I mean, you can talk to your level threes, and you can you can probably talk to your level twos, you know. But if if you're looking just to kind of read up on what uh, you know, judging other than you know the entry level where you're making rulings and stuff goes, where do you find information on that? There are articles on the main wizards website. And I don't know the best way to navigate that website to find them. Um, I would I would recommend going to www.dcifamily.org. That's kind of the new DCI website that we're trying to move a lot of our, our functional things to. We run most of our event sponsorship through there now. So if you are if you are already a certified judge or you're interested in becoming a judge, you should go there and sign up for an account. 
and depending on your level, you, you would have different access to functions on the website. But we're going to try to open stuff up more to L zeros or you know judge people who want to be judges. And I hope that a lot of the writing I do kind of more it's more like a blog than articles. But I'm hoping that that will be available to people to read, not just certified judges, because that's where I'm, I want to do a lot more of my writing. Like I said about training judges. Okay, so as a judge. Um, you start to see what you you obviously have to pay attention to the banned and restricted lists that are coming out. This is the last time uh, there were some major changes to extended. Um, what is what is a a change in the format like that? Uh, what does that mean to a judge? In terms of interactions with the rules, it's going to simplify things to have fewer cards in the format. There's, there's going to be less surprises that come out of left field, like, oh, I didn't expect anyone to play this card type of thing. Uh, more on a, on a broader macro sense, I love the change because, to me, Extended has been a lame duck format for a, at least a year, if not longer, and people just have not been playing. It's obvious based on attendance numbers of the GPs, and at least for me in California, the, the PTQs were very sparsely attended and extended. So anything that, in theory, gets more people to play Magic, I always feel is better. And I do believe that that would be the case here, because you'll have more people who have standard decks that would be able to port them over into extended without too much trouble, without any too much additional investment. And they, you know, they'd be able to keep playing with their decks. So, yeah, I, I think I definitely agree with that. I guess the the big rumor that was going on even before this change, and that it has persisted now, is in uh, overextended. Is what a lot of people are calling it, the mass block forward format. Um, do you have an opinion on on whether you think that's going to come into being, or whether that would be a good or, or not good thing, or? Um, yeah, that's kind of, it's an interesting idealized format in that every, every card in the format would theoretically be reprintable by Wizards according to their new uh, reserve list policy that they updated. So I, I think it, it would have the possibility of being a healthy, eternal-type format where if, you know, some prices got out of control on cards, they could reprint them either in an actual set or in some kind of promotional, you know, like from the vault or a dual deck to give players access to more of the cards. So you wouldn't run into this uh, problem that we're, at, we're seeing in Legacy where the prices are really getting out of control and some people just find it to be a deterrent to play the format. Um... I don't know if that's how this overextended would play out. It, it's it's hard to theorize on that kind of thing. Okay, so you know today or yesterday uh, was the the standard open. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your role as a judge during the standard open? I was the scorekeeper, which means I sit behind the computer and enter all the results. So, you know, okay. So, I don't get to interact I, with anyone except, you know, judges will come with me with certain issues. 
it was a really smooth day. I a lot of the times I kind of lose focus when I'm scorekeeping and try to do other things and mess up on some things. Yesterday I just focused on my job and got through. We didn't have to do any kind of repairs or moving people around, so I, I did my job and just my job and did it well. <laughs> okay, so then uh, what is your role going to be today? Today I'm just a floor judge out on, on Legacy. Uh, I'm on Deck Check's team, and the, my team lead, Jim Schumann from Texas, has got a few ideas he wants to try out, so we'll try them out and I'll give him some feedback. I might be involved in some L2 testing later today, but we got, we got a, so we got uh, Jared Silva and Nicholas Sabin are also L3s who work for Star City Games. As, as we like to joke around, once I arrive in Roanoke, we will have more L3s in Roanoke than the nation of Canada. Is it her? A little inside joke. Canadians are not happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, what, what do you, what's, what do you look at as the most challenging aspect of, of being a floor judge today? Hmm. For Legacy, I think the most challenging aspect is to not assume anything, not take anything for granted. When you get a question about an older card, you might, you know, read the physical card and have some kind of assumption in your mind of what it does. Take a moment to step back, maybe bring another judge in on it, get, get the oracle text on the card. And, and don't make any mistakes because you assume the card is worded or works a certain way. Because a lot of these cards have been updated, errata, you know, changed. Uh, creature types have been changed. But what's it called? Waterfront Bouncers, a merfolk, was one of my big surprises the first Legacy tournament I did. So it's um, get get the Oracle text is the most important thing. Okay, so. Talked about there's a possibility some L2s uh, may be tested today. Do you know anything about testing of any lower level judges? Is that on the agenda? I don't. I don't know if we had any today or yesterday. Any L zeros in training? Mostly, I think they were anywhere from two to four L ones who were interested in testing for L2, and we might be doing one or two of them. I believe. Okay. So. The, if someone uh, if someone is interested in you know maybe exploring becoming a judge, what's what's the most important you know first step and then kind of follow up things that they should be thinking about? Well, you're interested in becoming a judge, aren't you? And um, we, we've had some talks. Yeah, matter <laughs> of fact, uh, I've passed my rules advisor. Well, there you go. See, I mean that's that's a good first step. It, it shows that a you have a certain dedication to the process. Like, you were willing to sit down and, and take this exam online on your own time. B, it shows you have a competency with the rules. I mean, if you can't pass the rules advisor, you're not going to pass the L1 just flat out. Uh, is there a C? I don't even know. 
Okay, well, I'll make it personal then. If if I'm if I'm looking to get myself into a position where I want to move from rules advisor to L1, what are the important things for me to focus on as far as uh, understanding and what I need to focus and, and what people are going to be looking at as far as testing and whatnot? At, at that point, once you've passed your rules advisor, like I said, it shows you have a certain competency with the rules. The next step is you need to develop the same sort of familiarity with the policy documents, the uh, infraction procedure guide and the magic tournament rules. And that either means sitting down and just reading flat, reading those documents or spending some time volunteering in an event where you would be exposed to a lot of the, the procedures in those documents. So for you, like... You know, if you weren't doing all of this podcasting and coverage today, I would say you should go and, and talk to the TO or the head judge and volunteer some time. And in theory, like, if you've passed your rules advisor, there's a decent chance that unless you're a total train wreck on the floor, like, we could set up an L1 exam for you today were you to volunteer your time. Okay. So generally, you probably want people to give a little more little more notice than just the day of, I would imagine. That's true. Um, but for events like the Star City Opens and Grand Prix, we often do take walk-ups because we will be in territories where you might not have uh, ready access to an L2 Plus who would be able to give you an exam. In your case, you've got one of the best in the country, I would say, in James Elliott, right? He's fairly nearby. Yeah, James... Suburb of St. Louis, right? Um, I believe James is uh, probably closer to this venue, a little bit further, I think, east of this venue, but I'm not completely rock solid on his location. He's definitely within the St. Louis area, although, you can, fi- as you know, you can find James anywhere within, like, a 10-state uh, radius generally. <laughs> But if, if you live out in, like, Kentucky or Tennessee, I don't believe those states currently have any L2s. So if you came in from somewhere like that, we would, even if we didn't, you know, get the vibe that we think you could pass, like maybe it's 50-50, we might just give it to you, give you the exam, because you you don't have the opportunities. But for you, Eric, I would say, like, you know, talk to James and maybe work with him at a PTQ or something like Okay, so a, a reasonable step there. Um, you know, you've been at level three now for a little while, and I know that uh, you know you are a, a motivated person. Are you? Are you? You know, are you motivated right now to uh, to go ahead and be looking at level four, or are you you just want to kind of continue to do what you're doing and grow in that right now? I don't know if motivated is the right word. I'm I'm power hungry. I'm a megalomaniac in the judge program. However, I mean, I've always been interested in expanding my scope and doing more things, learning more about the program. Um, But these days, quite honestly, I don't know if I'm interested in L4. Like, it it was something I was always interested in, the theory, but the quote-unquote closer I, I get to that... I'm not sure if I want it. And what, what I've been telling people, I keep coming back to the quote from Star Trek Generations, 
where Picard and Kirk meet in the Nexus. And Captain Kirk says to Picard, he says, so you're, you know, you're captain of the Enterprise, you know, don't let them promote you, because when you're in that seat, you know, you're in control, you're king of your universe, or whatever he says to him. And that's how L3 is starting to feel to me, like, L4 is a much more administrative position that is really removed from the public. And that, that kind of scares me. I, I like interacting, you know, with you, with players, with, with a lot of other judges. And it, it just, the more I see of it, the more L4 looks kind of lonely. Okay, so then, I, if I were to guess, I would guess the thing that you're looking forward to most as being a floor judge today is getting the opportunity to interact with a bunch of different folks. Yeah, that's what I actually, we had our team meeting for deck checks, and at the very end of it I said, hey guys, like, Legacy as a format is not that competitive. A lot of people just kind of pick up whatever deck is available to them, borrow, you know, scrap together, and they're just playing for fun today, because this is not something that they get to play regularly. So you're going to see a lot more casual type players today. And I told the guys, I said... Go out there and make some friends with the players. Just chat, you know, talk to them, chat, say, hey, where are you from? What are you playing? Like, that's what I like to do out there. So then talking about just making friends and having fun and what so forth, uh, with the uh, Planeswalkers uh, rules being updated and nerfing uh, some of your Kraj shenanigans, <laughs> uh, what are you running as an EDH general? I still run Kraj. These days, Kraj, instead of trying to copy Planeswalkers, tries to copy lands and artifacts. It's the next stage. I actually got one game. Uh, my One of my opponents had an Academy of Ruins out, and I animated it with Spike Tiller and putting a plus one, plus one counter on it. So it cop- Kraj got to copy the Academy of Ruins ability to put... I think Crucible of Worlds back on top of my library so I could play Crucible and play my own Academy out of my graveyard to Wasteland Inns. <laughs> That's what Kraj tries to do now. Oh. Do you have any other generals you run? Uh, I, I have kind of a Joyra deck that I'm trying to figure out what direction I want to go in with it. I have an Azami deck, which is my quote-unquote D-bag deck. It's mostly designed for one-on-one duels against people who want to be jerks and run Rafelos or something. It's just full of chock full of mono blue, you know, counter spells and control magics. Um, I have a five-color deck, Horde of Notions. Mm-hmm. The main focus of that deck is to get Shared Fate out. Okay, you have to refresh me on Shared Sh- Fate. Shared Fate is you skip your draw step. Everyone skips their draw step. And, and or not not skip. Um, instead of drawing a card, you choose someone else's library to take a card from, and it goes in like your al- alternate exile zone hand that you can play stuff from. Yeah. So it's a five color deck. So I can play any of your spells, but if you're drawing from my deck, you're probably gonna have a hard time playing a lot of my five color spells. Yeah, if you want to hear more about shenanigans with uh, with shared fate, you should listen to the Mana Pool. Oh, really? uh, yeah, uh, Chewy, who's the uh, main host there, he has a shared fate deck that uh, oh, cool. that they break out. Where's Where's he from? Where does he live? 
Um, they're actually going to be in your new neck of the woods. I believe that they're in North Carolina. So I know Jack is from North Carolina. Uh, yeah, yes, he is. Although I, I might, I might steer clear of Jack. He can be kind of scary sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but I, I'm guessing I'm going to be running into him, so I should be prepared. Uh, then again, um, you know, I am the one who's letting Conley stay at my house. So, <laughs> oh, this weekend? Yeah. Okay. Wow, that guy is such a mooch. Staying with you, and then like. Nationals at Minneapolis. He's gonna hook up with Tom. Yeah, I kind of brought it on myself. I uh, I asked him, uh, you know, give me a call when he came in town. And he's like, oh hey, you know, guys, <laughs> I need a place to stay. <laughs> I think it was more like uh, the guys I'm traveling with, I'm maybe low on cash, and we're wondering, you know, if at least you can we. Oh, him and us, his but, friends. Yeah, him and his friends. Well, I've, so I've got four folks at my place today. But, but your wife was out of town, right? Was yes. That? Okay. Shh, don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask, does does Con have uh, travel baby powder with him? Um, you know, I haven't inspected anything to find out, but uh, I recommended he bring it, and there were definitely references uh, in the car to Conley bringing baby powder, so I would have to guess yes. I think that's my favorite Conley Woods meme, is the baby powder. I didn't like the, uh, the $20 bucket one so much. It did not yeah. my, my palate. I don't think I was there for that episode. If I, I if I was, any of these, they've been they've been doing it while you're away. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so on uh, on Judge Casts, I know yes, that you guys yes. have brought brought Jose in to at least be someone who's going to be in studio, so to speak. Do you have plans to Skype into that or anything? Yeah, I got to fix my computer. My hard drive fritzed on me once, and I got a new one, but for some reason it's not interacting well with some of my hardware, including my my mic. So, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm probably just going to get a new laptop sometime before the end of the year. But I want to give them some, you know, a few episodes to grow into their own thing. Like that's that's my thing. Is, is Sean accuses me of uh, starting stuff and then leaving it to him, which is kind of true. Um, but really, that's what I feel like my role is in the program: is to be an idea guy and to be a guy who says, "Let's do this thing," and then find the right people who have the skills for it, and then let them handle it. So, um, you know, I guess one of the things. Yeah, there, there are a bunch of places you can go out to find uh, rules, articles, articles about you know how judges are doing rulings and tricky rulings and things like that. Um, you, you kind of have the Justice League on uh, Star City Games, yep. and and there's I'm sure there, there's some other places as well that have them. Um, well, I think one of the probably most interesting articles I've started reading is uh, Peter Yan's articles on on judging. Um, and uh, you know, in particular, I th- I thought his putting you in the place of a head judge of a tournament, you know, article was really interesting, you know, and and part of that was. Uh, 
you know, there, I, I think he had like, you know, a level, you're, you're peppering a level one, or a level one is peppering you with judge questions. You know, you're, you're going to be on the floor here today as I ramble on. Um, is, is a large part of your job on the floor to help mentor other judges on the floor? Or, or is that something that you're less involved with as, you know, since you're not the head judge? Or No, that's I, the, the head judge of a tournament has a lot of other duties. So when I'm a head judge, I don't really get the chance to mentor people as much. It's really when I'm in these floating roles, like I'm just a floor judge. I'm not even a team lead, which would also have a few administrative duties. So this is this is really a day where I can excel as a mentor. I, I'm just free to you know watch other judges make rulings and give them some feedback. Or if nothing exciting is going on on the floor, I just come up with questions of my own and test their skill and and see where they're at in terms of their rules knowledge. So yeah, today I'm free to mentor. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put down out a, a situation someone brought to my attention yesterday. They uh, they told me that you know they had they ended up uh, with a bad result because of some slow play that was going on, and they took admit they took fault for not calling a judge earlier. And I said, you know, if you think something's going on, definitely call a judge to start off with. But he said even when they went to extra turns, that there was a judge sitting by when the guy went in the tank for like a good 15 minutes on what was not a complicated board state. Now, I don't know if it's exactly 15 minutes. I didn't observe it, but you know, and he didn't, you know, he didn't make a deal of it then. When I when I said that, I said you should have at least talked to the judge after the after the situation to let the judge know your perception of it. I mean, is that something that I mean, when someone perceives that something has gone wrong and they think that you know a judge may have been able to do it better, is 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 there something where, I mean, do you want players to also communicate with the judges as to, and I'm not saying like, oh, you screwed me out of my match or anything like that. I'm talking about in a constructive way where when we were in extra turns and he took, you know, 10 minutes on a decision that didn't look, you know, complicated, is that something that could have been slow play or am I just, am I missing something in what, you know, was my, my view of time skewed? Is that something, a conversation that you want players to have with the judge? I mean, not, obviously not right when the judge is going to be running the event, the results slip up, but, you know, maybe shortly thereafter so it's still fresh in the judge's mind? Yes, absolutely. We, we as a, a community, a magic community, need to have more interaction between players and judges. And this is something I'm always trying to foster. Obviously, with my work writing and podcasting, I, you know, I encourage other judges to write. I encourage them to interact with players, like I, I said today on the floor. And really, yeah, we want players to come up and talk to us. I had a very interesting thing yesterday. Sam Black, a well-known pro, had what he felt was kind of a dissatisfactory ruling. And he came to talk to me about it. Unfortunately, I was very busy scorekeeping and didn't get to give him as much attention as possible. And I think he was kind of a little mad about it. He said, oh, well, if you don't want to talk to me, like, just say so. Look, I do, but i got to get these results in. Um, and really, I don't know if Sam would ever hear this. I hope he does because it's something that I will be talking to other judges about and we'll look into it. It's a matter of... Um, of the missed trigger infraction and how we deal with the fixes. And he felt 
that, w- and we explained to him, Jared and I explained to him, look, what happened in your game was pretty exactly by the book of how the policy is written now. He's like, well, you know, can I suggest this alternate policy? I'm like, sure. Like, we'll listen. And it, it was on the surface of it, it's reasonable, but uh, it's something that needs to be discussed a lot more. And it's very possible that him suggesting that to us will lead to enough discussion that the policy could change. Like, I'm, I clearly can't guarantee anything. But just a player talking to a judge can kind of snowball into something. So we, I would definitely encourage that kind of interaction. And I think that we've seen in recent years, uh, I mean, the the penalty enforcement, I mean, really, that is a really living document, isn't it? I mean, it... it obviously, a little too I, much, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, I mean... It, it, I guess when you first when you first start off thinking about the penalty guides, I think a lot of people think of it as a if X then Y, but I mean really there's a deeper layer to it, isn't there? Yes, yes. Um, I, I work a lot with Toby Elliott and talk with him, and he's one of the prime movers behind the uh, the IPG the Infraction Procedure Guide. And his philosophy and something that I've really bought into is that. As judges, our documents and our philosophies on how to handle situations and fix situations needs to be as close as possible to player expectations. There are certain situations where we can't do that, and we need to think more of being fair to the event and all of the players. But when possible, we try to deal with things in ways that players would expect. Like one of the prime examples recently is the planeswalker shortcut if i say something like you know target your jace the mind sculptor with lightning bolt you know three damage to jace the technical rules doesn't allow that it's target creature or player you cannot target a planeswalker with lightning bolt however the player expectation is look there's the whole like redirection rule targeting the player redirecting the planeswalker let's just shortcut that and say if i say target bolt it's understood that i'm targeting you and redirecting to jace it's a very simple shortcut it took a couple of months for that to get into the documents you know through discussion is this how players play yes let's just put it in the document that way Okay, well, you know, I think that uh, we've probably exhausted most of our time here. It's definitely been great catching up with you again, and uh, next time we're at the same event, I'm definitely going to look you up. Thank you for your time. It's always good to talk to you, Eric, and I, yeah, I will be around more, I guess. Um, I will be in the Midwest a lot more challenging James's road warrior supremacy, I think, because I do like to travel and you know, catch up with friends, so it's always good to talk to you, Eric. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing you around. Thank you very much.